Welcome to Women Real and Raw, a tantalizing, mind-blowing, unconditional, loving, safe space where we are authentic, courageous, and uncensored. So get ready to have fun, get real, get raw, and feel empowered. I'm your co-host, Tiffany Lee, aka Truth Teller, body language expert, corporate communication trainer, speaker, social media consultant, and owner of Solutions by Tiffany Lee. And I am your co-host, Kristen Sparks, author, speaker, podcaster, and the executive director of the Sister Weird Foundation. Join us as we come together from different worlds to share our lives, stories, insights, wisdom, and vulnerability as we live our lives out in the open. Together as sisters in this crazy new world, we come together to talk about anything and everything. And we can be reached anytime at womenrealandraw.com. Now let's get real and raw. You've got to find the doctor that's right for you. You know, we've been through two general practitioners, three, because one, we, we went and met and we decided not to go with them at all. But, and this is our second one, and we're seriously considering moving again. But, you know, you got to find the right one that fits. You got to find the right yoga. Yeah, yeah. you got to find what everything, the right everything for you. And, you know, when it comes to doctors, I have been very fortunate in that aside from my kidney doctor, my, my general practitioner changed only because the original one I have moved. But I have the same exact doctors that walked into the ER with me. I have them now. I still have them. You know, like my, my rheumatologist. Now you're going to move. This is how you know I'm meant to be down there. So my rheumatologist, we're, we're like this. We're, we're, that's my boy. Love him to death. And I said, I said, well, I said, I may be, re- this is way before we even talked about it. This is when I just wanted to move by myself. So I was talking to him about Miami, you know, and I said, do you know any doctors down there? And he started laughing and he said, well, he said, if my dad was still alive, I would tell you to go to him because he was the best rheumatologist in Miami. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at least I know I'm going to be able to find, I mean, of course, his dad's not alive, but he still has those connections, you know, down there. And he, and he knows me and he knows I can be rude and disrespectful if I don't like you as a doctor. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I find right? my kidney, I will I, tell you, I don't care yeah. how much education you have. This is my body. I know my body. Right. Like <laughs> I stopped going to my kidney doctor because one, he was always late. And then he wanted me to be vegan. And I was like, I can't handle that many carbohydrates that sends my body into. And he was just like, well, you only have 50% kidney function. So, you know, boop, boop, boop. And I did it. And sure enough, that was when I had my second lupus flare. Oh my goodness. And I was like, do you believe me now? And also fuck you. Cause now I'm having to go through a flare all over again. So, you know, it's all about what works for you, man. And it's people, people want to put us in boxes and say, you have to do this. You know how I feel about boxes. First of all, if you tell me what I can't do, then I'm going to want to do it just because. <laughs> exactly. Always so, that way. Yeah. Right. Don't put me in a box because I'm, I'm going to break out of it. Just, that's just like who I tattoos. am. Somebody told me I couldn't have them. Say what? Yes, I can. Yeah, I might have waited until I was 35 to get my first one. But man, I have gone from there 20 years and I'm still rocking it, you know? Right, right. And you've got like (laughs) some amazing, amazing artwork. So it's like, yeah, you just got to find, you got to find what works for you. And I'm nervous, even though I know Florida is like the land of 
amazing tattoo artist. I've had all my tattoos, except for my very, very first one, have been done by my, my guy, Capital Tattoo, or either his dad when he was alive. They are the only two people who have ever tattooed me, like I said, except for my very first one. So for me, like the fear of going somewhere else and having somebody else do it. You know what? I want to depends. though. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, it depends on what you're getting. Cause you can go back. I did that. I yeah. did that with some yeah. of my stuff like this here was done. I don't know if you can see that one. It's a mother maiden crone or maiden mother crone. I always want to put the mother first, but <laughs> <Of course. laughs> right. But that was done by my guy in Ohio that also did the dragon Phoenix on my leg with the strength, courage, and endurance that he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. He did the one on my arm. That's the CS Lewis quote of hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destinies. Ooh, boo, Hence, boo, get it. Uh, oh, I love that one. I love that one. You know who CS Lewis is, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah. That gives me love that gives me goosebumps. Oh, love that man. <laughs> and his name is God. What is his name? Because he's written stuff under his actual name, too. And it's like Chester or something. You know, it's not like Charles. It's, you know, it's an off the wall name, and I can't think of it right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, you do. You have to find what works for you, whatever it is, whether it's doctors or tattoo artists or yoga instructors or meditation channelers or, you know, whatever. This life is all about creating what it is that you want from it and then living it. Doing it in your terms. You know, right. I tell people this life is meant to be lived. And, you know, and it's something that I have that I've had to learn because I take it so personally, you know, I take it, even if I don't know people, I'm like, what, what the fuck are you doing with your life, bro? Like you don't have shit wrong with you. I get offended. So I've had to learn, you know, people have to go through it in their own way, but it's like, you know, because we've been so sick, like we'll talk about this later, you know, life is precious and anything with us could, could come back at any moment, you know? I tell people lupus is so unpredictable. Cancer is so unpredictable. Like at any moment, your body could be like, Boop. yep. Make and we're show back in the up hospital. somewhere else. Yep. My father, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's had yeah. three different types of cancer show up, you know, and, but he's gotten through all of them. He's 84 years old. God bless the man. Congratulations. You know? <clears throat> right. We had it. a yeah. really, really interesting conversation today about God and I was talking to him about the book and the Akashic records and he's like you know you're blowing my mind here <laughs> you know he's a very very born-again Christian um practices in the Methodist church but you know is a leader in the Methodist church all he's you know leader of the Bible study that he does every week um, just got back from a trip with his um, Christian buddies going fishing. And, you know, so he's a very, very grounded religious man. And we come at it from opposite ends of the spectrum. But we have such an amazing, and I am, I find it so precious, just like the rest of life, 
this amazing ability to be able to talk to each other about anything, even though we disagree about multiple things. And that's how I wish the world could be. I wish the world could be like, we may not agree on things, yeah, you know, except for people who are just doing, you know, heinous type shit, but we should be able to have conversations without it being, I'm right and only I'm right, you're right, only you're right. And then now we have this big fight going on. You know, we see that reflected. I mean, even in like the political world, it's like right. either we're right or you're right. And there can be no, no middle of the ground. Two. Right, right. And that is why the world is in such a screwed up place right now. And I don't foresee it getting any better, sad to say, you know, it's like, I need to start looking at places in a remote island to live, to have my own island. I've thought about that myself, you know, let's just get the hell out. But let's, we need to be the change agents. Yep. We have to be the change agents, Tiff. Um, and if we move to a remote island, we won't ever be. So having these conversations that we're having and putting them out there is part of the change. How about we just have one that we can go visit for months at a time? Just Absolutely. To get away. I no, we can still, on that. We, we can still record podcasts. From Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we can sit in different rooms. Because, like we're having <laughs> because sometimes it's just like, and you know, and this is why I'm so excited to get away from Washington, D.C., you know. This place is so political and, and it's it's in the air here, you know, because that that's just the type of that, that's the type of city it is, you know, and that political undertone of everything that's super. And I want to say not even just like super business oriented, but just that whole government just vibe, you know, people here are so and I'm all about being career driven, but I'm also like, you know, life is short, like fucking have a shot, smoke some weed and calm down. <laughs> go out and kayak. Go right. like go hiking. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You guys are so close to Shenandoah National Forest and oh, what a beautiful place. Or uh, Syl and I so want to go up to DC and see the cherry blossoms come spring. We've been wanting to do that for years and have every year or something's come up. We're going we're doing it, damn it. We're coming up there. Maybe that'll be when I come back to visit. I'll come up with there you guys. You that'll, come up. that'll be my visit. <laughs> right. I, you know, I haven't been there since the kids were little and being able to go see the museums and, and all of that. But living there is so different. And one of the things that I have learned through this and the recovery and the cancer and living in the RV is become a tourist in your own town. Start to enjoy where you are. And it's funny you say that because the first time I went to Miami, I went to a spinning conference and this was when Obama was in office. So they had the hotel set up the, uh, what is it? Hilton downtown Miami, whatever. And so we're all checking in and they've got like metal detectors and we're all checking in. Like what the fuck is going on? Why does the hotel have metal detectors? Like we at the right place. Come to find out Obama was in the hotel for the weekend. No, at a conference. Shit. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a mess because I'm so used to that here. Because whenever the president is out, like I've seen the motorcade, I've, you know, I see it all the time. So you get kind of numb to it. But on the day he left, they told everybody when he was leaving. Oh, I, I can't. I just get emotional thinking about it. It was so precious to see people who had never seen it before standing outside, waving and smiling 
and being so happy to just watch the motorcade go by and he put his arm out the window and waved. And I got so emotional because it's like, I see it all the time. So I'm numb to it. You know, we are like, whatever. You know, we're like, whatever up here. I mean, I used to work across the street from the White House. Yeah, fuck, I see y'all all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't, you know, I don't care. But to be somewhere where people don't see it all the time, it's and just see it like. see it new through their eyes. See it through their eyes and feel, you know, just like, oh my God, it's the president. And just like people losing their minds. It was just like, oh, babies. <laughs> this is so precious. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. It's like those. So, those are things when you live in a place like DC, you get numb to it. And so, you don't really realize, like, people who have never seen that before, you know, for them, that was like, oh my God, I saw the president's motorcade. And, you know, he had five, 10 cars deep, you know, (laughs) motorcade. And so, it was just awesome to see it. But on the flip side of that, it's how numb you become to the atmosphere that's here. You know, it's a very, it's a very grind atmosphere. It's very like, we like you. We don't like you. If you don't have the status, then fuck you. We don't want to talk to you. And you, you don't realize what an impact that can have on, on your spirit, you know, on, on your spirit and just your being. And that's why I tell people when I first went to Miami and I got off the, the airplane, I felt my entire soul exhale. And it was just like, oh. And every time I go, it's the like I get so excited when that plane lands, and when we walk through the little chute, and I that humidity smacks you in the face. It's just like there. Oh home. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I know. I, it's I like, know. It's, it's hot <laughs> as hell, but damn it, I'm home. This is <laughs> this is where I, I belong. Every time I would fly back to Miami from wherever I had been, it was like, oh my god, I get to live here. All these people on the plane, or 90% of them, are coming for vacation. And I live here. I live here. This is my home. I got it. When we book our flight, that one-way ticket, I'm probably going to cry. Because I have never booked. I, just to say I'm booking a one-way ticket, like I'm honestly not coming back. And that is, this At is least something not I have, to live. Not to live, you know. That is something I have dreamt about since the very first time I went. I don't even remember how Obama was in office whenever that was. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago now. Yeah, this is something that I have wanted. I mean, I've always wanted to leave this area. I never felt like I fit in here and that's a whole nother conversation. But I have just been like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And now that literally in a month or so, that'll be my home. It's such an amazing, an amazing thing when your soul finds its place in this new earth yeah and i honestly think i'm meant to be in a lot of places but i know that place will particularly always be home to me yeah i yeah i'm with you and i have tried to explain that to my kids that just because you were born somewhere doesn't mean that's where you have to be And if you are somewhere that you don't feel right, move. Right. You have that choice. Right. I'm 38 now. What year are we in? 2021, because this podcast is going to play forever. I'm 38, and I have always felt like D.C. wasn't the place for me. Now, I will say when I moved to Maryland, before, before I had to move back home, if I had to stay in this area, I would have to go back 
to Montgomery County because that was the closest to that type of energy, those type of people, you know, that I, that I would want to be around. But I have never felt like I fit in here. And even when I would tell people I'm from D.C., they were like, really? You don't seem like it, you know, because it's just like people in D.C. Sometimes we have this they have this standoffish nature, you know, and I am just like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Tell me your life story. What's up? You know, and it's like, I don't want to have to wear five inch heels just to go have some drinks with my friends. Like, I won't do that. But that is like, in D- especially in like D.C., that is the culture. If you go out the house and you're going out, you better be beat for the gods, hair done, outfit right. Or people may be looking at you a little crazy. It's gotten yeah. a little different now that we've had some lighter skinned folk come in, you know. <laughs> Interesting way to put that. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. But even with them, you know, the it's still the vibe of I'm in DC. I gotta have my shit together. I gotta, I gotta walk around with my head up and my nose up and look down upon people. And my first question when I meet folks is that they ask is, well, what do you do? Bitch, for what, what the fuck do you care? Are you paying a bill? But how about hey, how you doing? Like it, it can come right. up in conversation, but like sure. for that, but that's what I always, do is it me. Right. And that's always the first question people who are born and raised in D.C. ask. Well, what do you do and what do you do and where do you live? Because in D.C., those two things say a whole lot, supposedly, about you. And I have just never been like the typical D.C. black girl. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, they were like, oh, she's the white girl. And I'm like, "Hmm." which is why I always have more white friends and black friends. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. So I was going to ask you this last week, and I don't think I did. If I were to say you are a colored woman, is that offensive? <laughs> don't call me colored. Just call me black. <laughs> okay. All right. That's cool. You know, you don't know. You don't know. Everybody is different. It's like, if you call me a white woman, I'm like, the fuck? I'm just a woman. You know? Right. I mean, I, I mean, it really doesn't matter. You know, I just I mean, some people don't mind that the word color to me just hits a nerve. Like you saw, like immediately I burst out laughing like it just it hits a nerve. And I think that's just history, you know, and, and generational. So for me, it's like, just call me black. I mean, you know how my, my great grandmother was from St. Kitts. So is it. Oh, how wonderful. What a oh God, what an island. So that explains where a lot of my drive, a lot of my pull to Miami comes from, even though I've never been to, even though I've never been to St. Kitts. It's the Caribbean that's pulling you, honey. Have you ever been to Jamaica? That was where I went from my high school graduation trip. I don't remember much of it because when I first got sick, I lost a bunch of memory. So I'm determined to go back. Yeah. I like, I don't even, you know, what's funny. I don't remember graduating from college. I know I did. I have my diploma, but I, I don't remember the ceremony. Like, Yep. I lost so much memory. I barely remember graduating from high school. Like I know I did, but I, like, I can't say I remember walking across the stage. I don't remember any of it. I didn't go to mine. So (laughs) I just got my diploma in the mail. I was cool with that. My high school was, I got stories there. Let me tell you, we'll talk about those, but that was a bad time for me. That whole losing the memory thing. I, I have a lot of that with, you know, that we'll talk about later today with the chemo but yeah yeah it does it, it just takes a toll out of you um and your brain is part of those muscles in your body that it it wrecks havoc with right and even though they haven't 
because all the memory loss happened before the chemo. So this whole thing started with me. My parents were actually on a trip to in Orlando. And I was living, when I had my first apartment out in Laurel, Maryland, I woke up and didn't know where I was. Scared the shit out of them. And come to find out that was the beginning of all of this because I had so much fluid on my brain because my kidneys were shutting down. Oh my gosh. So even though like they've done scans and they don't see any like brain damage, I firmly believe that part of the memory loss is from the years of not knowing what was going on and like having debilitating migraines and passing out and all kinds of stuff. I wholeheartedly believe some of the memory losses from that, even though there's nothing like in my scans, you know, that shows anything. I had a lot of that too, you know, because of the damage was nerve damage. It took six doctors to figure out that the SI joints had, had separated. And let me tell you what, that doctor is my best friend. I love that man. <laughs> Getting back talking about doctors, but yeah, yeah. It just, you know, sometimes the scans they have do not show what's truly happening. They think they do. They think they're all that a slice of bread, but they're not because they're missing things because it's not hard. It's not hard, you know, like. It's not like a big tumor sitting on your brain. That thank you. Can just you. See. Right. Right. Or a broken bone or, you know, yeah. Well, I don't understand why you have pain. You don't have a broken bone. Okay. Do you understand what has occurred here? <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, with autoimmune diseases, unfortunately, you go through so many different things until they finally figure out what it is. And that's why, you know, to kind of go back to what we were talking about originally is finding what works for you. You know, I went to so many doctors and it wasn't until I went to one, I have to go, I have got to look and see if I can find him and his information. I want to say his name was David Katz. And he was like, they said you have the pseudo tumor cerebri thing, but you don't fit that. He said, people who have that are like, 600 pounds, morbidly obese, no movement. He's like, no, you're not small, but you're teaching cycling classes. He said, you're doing, you're, you're active. Something is not right. And so he is actually the one who started digging. And he was the one who did the autoimmune. Praise for those doctors. Within Praise a month, for those doctors. Within a month of him doing that, that is when shit hit the fan. And I went to Georgetown. And had he not done all that digging and tried to figure that out, you probably would have died. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know. You know, we have manifested the doctors that we need when we need them so that we can go through the challenges and live to tell the tale. Just even hospitals in general. You know, I've been to some hospitals where I flipped shit over. I went to a (laughs) hospital because I have these lovely allergies. And I had suddenly developed an allergy to the opioids that I was on for pain management. Now, mind you, I'd been on these opioids for a year before the allergy suddenly hit. But I went into anaphylactic shock. I was covered in hives. I had hives in every orifice that I own. I had them under every hair that I have on my body. I had them so, my pants were so swollen that when they tried to take the blood pressure, it, 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 I was screaming. It was so painful. And the doctor says to me when he comes in, I'm like, I'm in anaphylactic shock. I need epinephrine now. Well, we don't give opioids. The 
fuck are you talking about? I just told you I'm allergic to them. Please, for God's sakes, don't give those to me. I'm going to die. This is not the first time this has happened. I am going to go into total anaphylactic shock. My throat will close up and I, my heart will stop and I will die. Please give me epinephrine. We don't give any pain meds. I am going to strangle you. Girl, you remind me of, whoo, I have so many allergies to meds. You know, like I'm allergic. I'm allergic to morphine. I can't take any sulfur drugs. I'm allergic to, what's the other one? Percocet. So oh, when I got, when I got super sick, the only pain medicine that I can take is Dilaudid, right? Oh, I died on that one. That was the first one I died on. But it's funny because, and so this is like figuring out what works for you and standing up for what works for you. Because, well, unfortunately, I've been in the hospital so many times, I know what to tell them. Like, I need Dilaudid with Zofran because it's going to make me nauseous, but I'm allergic to all this other shit you're going to try to give me. But when you go in a hospital and ask for Dilaudid, they automatically think you're a junkie because that's like the one of the tippity, tippity top ones. And that's why I try my best to go to Georgetown all the time because, right, I will fight you because you're not going to have me sitting here in pain and experimenting on me when I can tell you unfortunately right. <laughs> what well, works for me right. don't give me tylenol don't try to give me don't give me percocet don't give me morphine no you need to do the lot straight in the line tap the vein let's do it <laughs> see for me first time i died i was on Dilaudid for some surgery that i'd had in 2011 and three times my throat clip my daughter was sitting there my throat closed up and I kept putting the bed back on. What the hell? And I was pushing the button for the nurse and she thought I wanted ice. So she was busy, didn't come in. And the next thing I know, they're calling cold blue. I can hear them and I'm gone. I am gone. And I wake up, I don't know, a couple hours later and my daughter's sitting there and she's like, mom, you died. I'm like, what? She goes, you died. Your heart completely shut down and they had to, to paddle you and Syl had just left the hospital and because Sam was there, she went home to take a shower, take dog out and I die. So yeah, the lot is not good. So my doctor, when I had surgery this last time, um, had to figure out a way because I was in the hot, this was, you know, some major surgery and I was going to be in the hospital for a week to 10 days and how to control that pain without pain meds. And he spent a couple of months because it was a couple of months that I had to wait to get the surgery while I went through chemo and figuring this out. And we would go back and forth. Okay. Do you, can you use this? Okay. You can't use that. Let me try this. I mean, you know. And they finally came up with this combination where they did an epi epidural like you do for a pregnant woman, but only use the numbing stuff and then used Valium and Tylenol. And Tylenol, not Tylenol suppositories. Yeah. I didn't know that existed. I didn't either. And the first time <laughs> they said that, I'm like, hell to the no, you're not using that. I'm not. No, no, no. But let me tell you something. <laughs> that combination was amazing. I mean, I was still in a lot of pain, but I, again, meditation, I used meditation while I was in the hospital to breathe through what was God awful 
you know, and yoga in bed to keep my muscles moving so that I wasn't going to come out of this and be totally like a, you know, bedridden for six months. So when I came out of the hospital, you know, I was in there, like I said, for six weeks. And so I had lost, like I had to get, my mom had to buy me a walker. Like that's where, and, and, and they, they were like, well, we're going to need, we want you to go to a rehab place. And you know, at this point I'm stubborn. And I said, listen, I have taught cycling classes and lifted weights for years. I'm not staying in any other facility any longer. So when I tell you I rehabbed myself at home, and then my ass was walking it back to teaching cycling classes. I said, now, if I would have went to a rehab place, they would have only been able to see me once a day, whereas I can do this shit off and on all day by myself. Like, I know how to do this. But, you know, this is the power of finding what works for you, you know? And as women, we often have a hard time standing up to what works for us because we want to, you know, we don't, we don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to seem like we're being a bitch or being a pain. And it's like, no, if you know what works for you or, or if you want to try something different, fucking do it. And don't, because best believe if a man says, I don't want to do it this way, I want to do it that way. This, it's a, it's a okay. Right, right. They're it's fine. Okay. They're standing right. in their, you know, their, their right. manism, their right. male, whatever. Now right. we do it and we're being a bitch. We're being a pain in the ass. We're being too sensitive. And then we even feel guilty. We feel guilty for doing it, which is a whole nother thing, which is like, no, no, don't feel guilty. And, you know, I am, you know, I'm, I just say I'm an asshole because I am so all about women standing up for themselves. You know, I have been out and I will stand up for other women that I see shit going on. And I'm like, oh, no, not on my watch. You know, and my friend is a social worker. So we together, she and I are like a tag team. No, no, no. This isn't about to happen. We're, we're no and ladies, uh, people are like well we don't even know you ladies but thank you so much we're like yeah we're not gonna allow that to happen yeah i know i would have in the world of mortgages and real estate and all of that that i worked in for 30 years there were times when you know you'd have a customer calling and the customer could be anything from the real estate agent to you know the lender to the actual buyer seller or whatever and bitch out somebody in my office. I'm on the phone. You will not treat my people that way. We don't need to be doing business together if that's how you're going to behave. Right. And it's just like, period. That's the end of the sentence. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. But we have been trained for years and years. And it's so sad. And it, the tide is starting to change. Women are taking over right now. And this is a good time to be a woman. I tell you. We are thrilled that you spent time with us today, so thank you. We are always here to remind you how powerful you are and that you deserve to be seen and heard. Again, we thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to leave us an awesome review so we can keep coming back and helping you find your power. Until next time, we are women, real and raw.